misses, hit well, into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Yes, I am Trent Rush. Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. Appreciate you being with us here today. Look, I know that there is a lot of uncertainty in baseball right now. And if you're like me, just chomping at the bit, ready for our game to get back. I know a lot of players are feeling that way as well. A lot of people are feeling that way right now. We all want baseball to come back. And uh, I'm still optimistic it's going to be coming back soon. And hopefully uh, everybody can get uh, this stuff figured out. On the podcast today, this is a special one. We did a Zoom call last week, a Zoom happy hour call with Mike Trout, Justin Upton, and Joe Mann. We talked about uh, the state of baseball today. We talked about a lot of fun things in their careers, some interesting notes about uh, this 2020 team, how the team was gelling in spring training. The guys gave a lot of advice to kids that probably lost their 2020 season of Little League or high school baseball or college baseball and what they can do uh, to try to get better, maybe make it to the show themselves. It was a really, really fun conversation. It was enlightening. Uh, we learned about who the guys' favorite players all time are or who the best player they think all time is. Uh, really good stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. Sit back, relax, and now here's our conversation with Mike Trout, Justin Upton, and Joe Madden. And we begin by talking with Joe about what he's been up to here in this hiatus with a couple of months now of no baseball. I want to get things going uh, first by talking to you, Joe. It's great to see you again. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since we last talked, but uh, good to see you. You look like you're doing great. I just want to know, how are you uh, handling uh, this time off? When was the last time you had April and May off? This feels like a crazy time. Um, 1980. <laughs> I think it was 1980. Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's been different. It's been uh, awful in some ways it's been great in others I mean from a personal perspective you know the ability to uh, really create a routine and, and try to get yourself healthy and collect your thoughts and that kind of stuff has been wonderful um, the other hand you know what everybody's doing right now is awful so there's a balance between that now we're getting to the point when it comes to baseball that looks like we're gonna get a chance to get it rolling again I'm looking forward to that I think we all are and then we'll we'll, we'll work it from there but it's it's been different because I have not had this much time to myself since 1980. Yeah. Mike, how are you handling uh, this uh, baseballist world that we've had the last, you know, seven, eight weeks or so? I mean, you got to look at the positives, I guess. Obviously, it's a difficult situation, um, but uh, it's a special time in our life right now. Obviously, my wife's pregnant, so I get to spend a lot of time with her. I, uh, I really wouldn't have got this opportunity to play baseball. Um, I just think it's uh, – it's really helpful for just for everything to grow, uh, obviously your marriage, everything, just to be, you know, instead of being on the road for 10 days and then coming home, um, you know, just, just, just having that comfort and uh, seeing each other all the time. And obviously the board games and um, everything you can do inside a house has really been really ramping up here the last few weeks. Uh, the competition has been uh, pretty cool. So she hasn't booted you out of the house yet. You're doing okay? Uh 
some days are questionable. Uh, trying to get out uh, and obviously sometimes I get out trying to go, go golfing, but uh, other than that, you know, I'm just trying to keep my distance when I know she's a little uh, agitated. Hey, that's that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, Justin, how about you? How are you uh, handling this? Have, have you picked up any uh, kind of new activities maybe you, you wouldn't otherwise have been doing? Uh, well, usually in the off-season, I like to get out and grill and hang out outside. So I've been doing that quite a bit. Um, uh, just spending a lot of time with the family. Um, you know, this is the first time I've been home when, you know, we have this type of weather and, and being around the kids this much. Um, you know, it's been good for me. Uh, it's been good for our family. And they're getting to see me a lot more than they usually do this time of year. Any uh, Disney Plus guilty pleasures that you've been sucked into? Ooh, um, well, they've been releasing all those new movies when they come out. So I've seen um, Onward. Uh, that's That went on our TV for a while. Um, we watched Trolls probably 30 times. Um, the newest one, Scooby-Doo, just came out. So we've been watching Scooby-Doo every night. Now in this time with no baseball, there has been a lot of creativity that has come with that, and that includes from Mike Trout, who, I don't know if you guys saw this, I think it was the end of March, he made a chip shot from the second story of his home all the way down to his entryway down on the first level. So pretty impressive shot. So I had to ask Mike about what went into that and how long it took him to get that right. Yeah, so I was, I was extremely bored, um, and uh, Michael Kahn was with me. Obviously, my wife was here. Uh, it took so believe it or not, that was actually the third video, a uh, third time I made it that video. So it probably took about 30, 30 times to make one. But uh, uh, the first take, there was a bunch of balls in the background, and I, I was like, you know what? I don't like the balls in the background. It makes me like. I was trying to make it look like it was just the first shot try, but it wasn't. Um, the second time, it was one bounce in. I didn't like that. And then the third time, it was probably – I mean, it took me a good 30, 40 times to get that first one in. After that, I was making them pretty good. Did you see the video that uh, Gooby's son posted or Gooby posted of his son throwing the he, football in the pool? Is that legit? Are you buying it? I'm buying it because he sent me about seven or eight videos that were uh, pretty impressive. Um, okay. Hey, there's some good editing skills if it, if it wasn't real, but the ones he sent me were pretty impressive. That's what I would say. I'm, I'm looking at it, and I didn't – you know, Gooby said it to me. I didn't want to buy it at first, but uh, it looked pretty good. Uh, Justin, I, I know that you guys were having a fun time at spring training, and we'll talk to Joe a little bit about this in a second too. But uh, you guys – I saw the prank that you guys pulled on Harold Reynolds and uh, the fun that goes with that. How much fun were you guys having as a group getting together in spring training, just getting ready for this season? Oh, I, I think this, this team in general has a lot of fun. We, um, you know, especially in spring training, not seeing each other for the whole offseason and then finally getting together again. Um, Dude, it was it was a blast. We had a blast. Um, you know, it was just a, a really good vibe in camp, and I mean, we were enjoying it, man. I, I think the pranks came along with it, and you know, that started to evolve and try to start buying more snakes and more realistic looking. So, um, you know, it's sad it got cut short, but we were having a blast. Joe, what's it say to you? Or what do you think when, when you see that your players are loose like that, having fun? I know that's all part of the culture that you're wanting to create in spring training. But when you see stuff like that happening, uh, what do you think of that? As it should be. I mean, listen, I'd be right in the middle of it if I was still a player. I'm kind of in the middle of it as a manager. I, I Listen, it's part of what we do. Um, 
these guys and these are two everyday players. Uh, it's not easy to be that. It's not easy to be an everyday player. Uh, the mental, you get beat up mentally so badly. There's a lot of failure involved in our game. And so I love the idea that they're able to park it, go have a good time because when they're on the field, they're all business. They're absolutely all business. They're not, their work ethic is beyond reproach. So you have to be able to park it and unload a little bit. So I encourage it. I'm all about it. I think it's great. And I hope to see a lot more of it. Also in this time off, there's been a lot of TV watching, including The Last Dance, by a lot of sports fans across the country. I'll tell you, I was hooked by it. I thought it was great seeing that 10-part series about Michael Jordan that I've talked about uh, on this before. I think it was one of those shows that I found it to be pretty entertaining. Um, how serious of a true documentary was it? I know that remains a question for a lot of people, but I don't care. I thought it was entertaining, and I had to talk with Joe Madden, Mike Trout, and Justin Upton about this as well, starting with Joe and asked him if he watched The Last Dance, and what he thought of it yeah i've been watching i didn't get to watch the last i fell asleep on number nine wow i mean the one thing that stands out you talk about competitive nature i think you know the best way i could describe michael jordan is that he's vicious he's a vicious competitor and and i also believe that it'd be hard to do that in baseball basketball plays a couple days a week and because they play a couple days a week they're able to um, work through that and, and not have to be on like that every night. I think you would, if you had to do, uh, do that 162 games, you could not have done that 162 games. And then how they interact with the rest of the group, the talent level. And then, of course, the way Phil handled the whole thing, I thought was spectacular. I mean, that's the way it needs to be done. That's as I, I agree. I agree with this method, how we did it. So um, really an entertaining piece. Um, but I, how about Dickie Thon? My boy Richard checked in with me today. He wants it to be known that you don't have to be mean to your teammates to be a good teammate or to win. Richard, I mean, out of, out of the clear blue sky, texted me this morning, and I told him I promised I would throw it out at the right time. So I don't want people, I don't want kids to get the wrong idea by watching that with Michael Jordan. And Richard's the one that pointed it out to me. Um, yes, you'd be intense. Yes, you, you compete. And yes, you want to win. Uh, but there's, uh, there's different ways to get that done. I'm glad you brought up the Phil Jackson part because I was just dying laughing when Dennis Rodman takes off. He's supposed to get 48 hours off, and Jordan two weeks later is to go pull him out of the Vegas hotel room. That was just beautiful. I thought that was that was hysterical. They expect anything less than they exactly. Who's got who is coming back in 48 hours? My God. Um, yeah. Mike, I want to ask you about the last dance, too, because I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids in the 90s that wanted to be like Mike Jordan, a lot of kids now that want to be like Mike Trout. Uh, what was your thoughts on uh, – did you watch it, and, and what did you think of that? Yeah, so I saw bits and pieces, pieces of it. I was waiting until, you know, it all came out so I could just straight binge watch it. Um, okay. Now, obviously, uh, you couldn't really get away from it on social media. You saw it a lot. Yeah, I really didn't get to see Jordan in his prime. Obviously, when I was real young, I don't really remember it as too much. But nowadays, we got LeBron. Um, but being able to see what Jordan was able to do on the court, just to see his highlights, just to see how dominant he was, um, it's something I look up to, um, the way he carried himself. Uh, obviously, um, the championships, you know, everybody – every. Doesn't matter what sport you play. I think you know when you have six or when he was, he could have got seven championships. It's uh, it's pretty spectacular, and um, yeah, I just can't wait to watch the whole thing. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people were just watching episode by episode. You know, 
I, I like to be able to watch it. And then if I could watch the next episode, watch it, obviously go all straight nine. I think it was nine episodes or whatever it was. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, good for you for having that restraint because I tell you, it was miserable watching it on Sunday and then having to wake a whole nother week uh, to see the rest of it. That was just, that was grueling. Yeah. Uh, J.F., did you get to see it? What'd you think? Um, I, I pulled Joe's move. I, I, um, I didn't watch it this past Sunday, so I'm catching up. Okay. I just finished uh, episode nine. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting for the finale right now. I'm going to watch that either tonight or tomorrow. But, um, yeah, it was just interesting, like, uh, being able to watch, you know, kind of behind the scenes and, um, you know, see his competitive nature and the things that, um, you know, the things that he did and, and, and how he pushed his teammates' buttons to make them better. And, um, you know, it was very interesting to me. And, I, I you know, I enjoyed it because, you know, I, I was a huge Jordan fan growing up. So um, getting to watch that these last nine episodes has been I'm, I'm locked in every time I'm watching. Now, one of the cool parts about getting a chance to talk to these guys in this setting that we did was that there was a chance for a lot of young people to submit their questions, and they could ask their heroes for some advice if they wanted to, like Joey did right here. And Joey has a question for you, Mike. He says uh, he's also a baseball player and wants to know what advice you have for him as a young player to help achieve what you've achieved of being a Major League Baseball player and what were some things that you did as a kid? Uh, to to get to this point, yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, your 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 mind, um, telling yourself, setting goals high, and pushing yourself uh, to be the best you can be. Um, if you think it, uh, you have a pretty good chance of doing it or get to it. To it, you know. That, my mentality is always, you know, when I was a kid, a lot of people said I was too too small, too too slow. Oh, you know, hear the nonsense, try to block out all the nonsense and just uh, think positive the whole time. Um, as a physical standpoint, uh, I always played. Um, didn't matter if it was in the, in the yard, uh, wiffle ball or, you know, going to the, going to the, the field down the road. Um, always try to get better. Uh, did a lot of push-ups and pull-ups when I was a kid, try to get stronger. I think it's pretty cool nowadays. Uh, you see little kids doing some workouts. Um, but like I said, just the mentality, just trying to, you know, push yourself to be the best you can be. Justin, how about you? Same kind, same question. Um, very similar. Um, you know, I, I, me and my brother were literally always playing baseball. Um, you know, when it was basketball season, we played basketball. When it was football season, we were, you know, playing pickup games in, in the neighborhood. And, and then baseball season, we went all out. We almost played a, a game every day. It was a different kid's yard, but we were we were always playing. And um, you know, it's kind of mirror what Mike said. Like, you know, a lot of negativity can creep in. Um, you know, baseball is a really tough game. It's, it's um, you know, they say it all the time. It's a game of failure. But um, you know, being able to to pick yourself up and play the next day is is um, it's essential if you want to play at the next level because you play a lot of games and you don't play well a lot of games. And um, being able to just turn the page and, and get to the next day is huge. Now, there's a lot of talk nationally this week about Derek Jeter and this being the anniversary of when he made his Major League debut. And the thing about Jeter is things didn't go so great when he first came up to the big leagues. Well, a lot of that can be said about Mike Trout as well. Remember, he ended up getting sent back down. And uh, for Mike Trout, his 2012 rookie season was remarkable, but he had a lot of ups and downs in 2011. And we talked with Mike about what he was able to learn from that experience. You had one of the most historic rookie seasons in that 2012 campaign, uh, but your first time up in 2011 was a little different. 
what kind of adjustments did you make? And what do you think was the biggest factor uh, for you to, to have that experience in 2011 and then bounce back and have a, such a great true rookie campaign? Yeah, uh, obviously the two months I was up um, in, in, in 11 uh, really helped me because I learned when I got sent down, I kind of took a step back a little bit and kind of realized what, what I went through. And it, it helped me out a lot in my career because when I first got on the, at, up in the big leagues, it, uh, the game was so fast. I mean, it was everything just felt like it was just sped up crazy. And just being able to slow the game down um, in big in big moments or just any moment, you know, being on that field, it's just a, it's just a different feeling, especially with uh, with a lot of fans. You know, this year maybe not with any fans, but uh, just being able to slow the game down and just playing your game. Um, when I first got up, I was trying to get a hit every time. Obviously, hit the ball so far. Being able to being able to just get back to the way I got, how I got up there and play my game. You know, I'm going through the Q&A right now, guys, and I'm telling you, like, half the questions have to do with what's going on in baseball today. And I know that there's no answers that anybody can give right now. But, uh, Mike, having these two months when you've been at home, uh, how much are you just kind of chopping at the bit to get out and play, even if it means uh, no fans? Uh, is, is this time making you maybe miss the game more? Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely different, um, you know, because like I said, we're usually at the field all day. We'd be at the field uh, right now, you know, coming out of BP. Um, just uh, you know, I kind of it's 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 diff it's different, but you know, it's a, it's a tough time in the world right now. But and I'm and I'm looking at it as a positive way. Um, like I said, I'm spending more time with my wife. Um, obviously, I want to get back out there as fast as we can. Um, you know. It's, healthy as we can. Um, but obviously I'm itching to get back out there, but you know, I can't, it, it's not in my control right now. Um, you know, I just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, uh, look, I look forward to waking up and, you know, having a coffee with my wife and, you know, spending time with her hopefully soon, sooner and later, or rather than later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jay, I, I mean, it's got to be hard keeping that same kind of positivity. I, I know I'm itching to get back out there. Everybody is. It wants to be you, – you, everything's got to be handled right. And I'm not sure anybody knows what the right answer is. But uh, for you in this time, have you, have you kind of thought like, man, I, I really want to be out at the yard? I have my days. You know, I, I have days where, um, you know, I, I wake up in the morning, I got energy, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to play. And then um, there's, there's, there are days that are just slower and, you know, I'm – you know, I take it, take the time to take a step back and be like, all right, take this, use this time to, um, you know, to just be with the family and, and enjoy this time that I'm getting this from them. But um, there are days, you know, where I'm, you know, I'm working out and I'm like, man, look, I want to, I want to go play, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's hard to, to, uh, you know, really pull yourself back into, all right, there's bigger things going on and, um, you know, we need to be safe and be smart. Now, I think part of the reason why this hiatus is particularly frustrating for Angels fans is because we know how good this team can be, especially this lineup with guys like Mike Trout, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, Anthony Rendon in the mix as well. The Angels' bats have a chance to be scary good. But when it comes to the pitching, I talked to Joe Madden about things he saw and if he liked what he saw from his pitchers while in spring training. Real good. Uh, and then furthermore, with the delay, uh, Griffin Canning's going to be ready. Shoya Otani's going to be ready. And you combine those two with the guys that were already healthy. 
Um, and then, see, not enough people are talking. You got Heaney, you got um, Dylan, and then you got uh, Tehran, and then the guys I just mentioned. And then there's guys like Suarez and Sandoval and uh, and Jerisi. These are these are really good pitchers. Um, I like it a lot, actually. Uh, the bullpen, you got a lot of 27, 28-year-old guys that had pitched well in the NL Central, which I like that, too. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot going into the regular season as it had uh, been as it was setting up and now with these two guys being i watched them pitch the other day i went down to the ballpark and they threw a little bit of a simulated situation and they both threw the ball really well so it's exciting um and everybody we got we have a great group on the field wonderful i love it but you got to pitch you got to pitch and i really believe our pitching is way better than people know and I tend to agree with Joe on this. You guys have heard me talk about this pitching staff before. I like the pickups of Bundy and Tehran. I think that when you get Griffin Canning back into the mix, that's going to be really important. And also, getting Shohei Otani, I didn't even mention him as a hitter because I keep thinking of him as a pitcher. That's like getting a free agent ace joining your rotation. And then what he can do on the hitting side with Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani hitting 2-3-4. I mean, that's going to be absolutely insane when that happens. And I'm ready for that day to happen happened like two months ago. I'm ready for it now uh, as soon as we possibly can get back to baseball. And there was another question here about you know, from a kid. And, you know, Travis is nine years old. He lost his baseball season, which is hard to even fathom. Imagine being nine years old and you didn't get to have your Little League season this year. Just how crushing that is. And, you know, he asked Mike Trout and Justin Upton for some advice on what they can do to try to get better or what they would do if they were in that same situation to try to improve while not getting a season. What can you say to encourage guys like Travis who didn't get to play their baseball season at nine years old to try to just keep their head up and and uh, hope for uh, hope for getting a chance to play soon. Yeah, I think the biggest thing. I think we're all going through the same situation. Um, it's obviously a different and tough time in the world right now. Um, things will get back to normal eventually. Uh, you know, it's, uh, missing a year of baseball would be you know terrible. Obviously, it's terrible for him. Um, you know, just take advantage. Of, take advantage of the time off. Um, try to get better each and every day. Either, either it's getting stronger. Or doing like a little T work, or you know, trying. For me, I swung, I swung, I swung a, um, a heavy bat, and uh, it got me stronger. You know, I felt like it helped me every day. I would take you know eighty to one hundred swings a night, just so you know when that baseball season did start up, I was ready to go. Justin, you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think there's you got to look at the, the scope of your life, and there's, there's gonna, you're going to play a lot of baseball. You know, being nine years old, I mean. I thought that, you know, every game meant the world too. But um, like Mike said, there's a lot of baseball to be played and, and try to get yourself better. Be, when when the time does come where you get to play baseball again, be better than the time that you, you know, the last time you stepped on the field. Um, you know, if you have a backyard or you have a garage, you can go and just do things to make yourself better. Um, you know, next time you step on the field, you'll be prepared. Uh, Justin, a lot of people are asking too. People want to know. How you feeling? I know. I know. Twenty nineteen was a tough one for you physically. You look great in spring training. Uh, how are you feeling now? Are you one hundred percent healthy? Yeah, I think you know this time off has been great for me. Um, you know, I, I was I was ready going into spring training. Obviously, um, you know, I had a full off season. I had a chance to train and, and get my my body back in, into the shape I wanted it to be. And, um, you know, now this extra time, I'm I'm, I'm able to to really. Uh, you know, 
use that to my advantage also. So um, I feel great, uh, you know, still still moving around, still working out and, and trying to keep myself prepared. And, um, I think when, when the time does come, uh, my body will be ready. All right, now let's move on to some of the fun questions here because I'm genuinely curious where these guys like to hit best outside of Angel Stadium. Now, we all know that Trout's numbers in Seattle are absolutely ridiculous. So clearly, for Mike Trout, that has to be a place where he likes to hit. But I am curious to hear his thoughts and Justin Upton's as well about their favorite ballparks to hit in outside the Big A. I'm saying either anywhere in the East. Um I would say New York is probably the easiest to hit the right right field home run. Um, I like Cincy. Joe, you can probably have a, a, a word about Cincy. Obviously, Chicago, when the wind blows out, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I've seen some balls hit the uh, last few years in, in Wrigley that, uh, yeah. that I saw rolling down the street earlier. So, uh, just, uh, you know, I love, hitting, I love hitting in Seattle, too. I was going to say, Seattle has to be on that list. Yeah, Seattle, um, I hit the ball really well in Seattle. I don't know, I just see it well. I think the fans out in center field uh, that heckle me the whole game, uh, I think they they, um, they put my little – it's a little bit more special when I when I get some hits in Seattle, so. <laughs> um, I'm a little biased. Uh, I, I started my career in Arizona, but, I mean, they have this monster batter's eye. Um, you know, the, it's it's dry air, so the ball flies a little bit. Um, I like it there, but I think my my newer favorite is probably, um, I'd say Minnesota. Minnesota's for some reason, I just enjoy hitting there. It's, uh, you know, especially well, when it's not cold. When it's not 30 degrees, it's, it's really fun to hit there, and um, there's nothing like a summer game there. Yeah, you can just tell that it's uh... – that's a, that's a good place. But you got a little uh, – in Arizona, you got a little elevation too. I know people don't talk about that, but uh, yeah. that, that's a factor. That's a factor. It's, it's the second highest elevation in the league, I, yeah. I believe. Joe, is, is there a favorite ballpark you like to manage in? Um, I just I, – I like um, – I actually prefer um, non-home run ballparks. I mean, from a, from a manager's perspective, it gives you a better chance to – you know, work your pitching staff, set your defense. Uh, like like uh, Michael's talking about, I mean, Wrigley, my God. I mean, yeah, the ball flies, but Wrigley, that wind blows in most of the time. And when that, suck, when that wind's blowing in, that ballpark's huge. And so I really, I really did enjoy uh, managing in Wrigley. I, don't, I can't say I have a favorite. The Trop was great because the Trop was a big um, uh, pitching and defense ballpark also. Uh, you know, like, like Michael said, I mean, right center, but you go to Yankee Stadium, I don't like to go to ballparks for fly balls or homers. That really takes strategy out of it. Uh, Colorado's the same way. Jay Up just talked about uh, uh, Arizona's the same way. Uh, so I like, I, like, I like sea level. I like, you know, I like a field, from my perspective, that plays fairly. And then I, because I believe then the team that plays better baseball wins. And that's, that's why I kind of dig on it. There was another fan question that I found to be pretty interesting to see what Justin Upton and Mike Trout think is, what's their greatest baseball accomplishment in a game? And I thought it was kind of cool to hear uh, these answers, starting with Upton. Me and my brother hit, hit our 100th home run on the same night. Uh, I think that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> he thought he had hit his first, and he didn't. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a story for another night. But, um, yeah, I uh, – 
I hit a homer and I think like 45 minutes later he hit one, uh, hit his 100. So, um, you know, hearing that after the game was pretty cool. Very cool. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, personally, I think my coolest accolade was hitting for the cycle. Yeah. Um, I was, I needed a, I needed a, I had a single double and a triple and I needed a homer in the eighth inning. And I knew it was my last at bat and it was a 2-0 pitch. And I, I, when I'm in the box, like if I try to go deep, I'll get out. And I think it was a time, it was just like a perfect, obviously perfect pitch, um, 2-0 pitch and got a fastball. I said, well, here's a chance. If I'm going to go deep, I, here it is. And uh, hit the ball out in the right center. It was, it was a wall scraper with a callus. Uh, I think um, doing that was probably the coolest moment, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a game standpoint. Now, the toughest question that I thought I asked was, who's the greatest player of all time? Boy, I, to me, that, that's really tough to try to figure out. I think I have my answer. I, I think you have to include Babe Ruth somewhere in that mix. However, I say Willie Mays is the guy that I think could play in any era and be equally dominant. I think Willie Mays would be dominant today. I think Willie Mays would have been dominant in Babe Ruth's time. And I think, obviously, I know Willie Mays was dominant in his era. The numbers are obvious. Plus, if you didn't play so many games at the Polo Grounds and at Candlestick Park, how many more home runs would he have beyond his 600? And 50. So for me, it's Willie Mays. I think that the best power hitter of all time was Hank Aaron, and I think the best pure hitter of all time was Ted Williams. But put the whole package together, uh, I have to say Willie Mays was that guy. While there have been some more recent greats, and uh, it seems like these guys kind of tend to go that direction. But we started with Joe Madden and want to get his thoughts first on who he thinks is the greatest player ever. Uh, to this point? To this point. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good one. I mean, during the time I've been doing this, um, I've been managing, coaching like since 1981. Um, that, that particular group, Griffey's right up there, no question. Um, I actually scouted Bonds at, at ASU, so I saw him when he was 17, 18 years old, and that was pretty good too. Um, you know, A-Rod, I saw A-Rod as a kid playing instructional league in Peoria, at shortstop with this unbelievable range. Um, and even when he was with uh, Texas, when they were awful, I think they came in last place and he was the MVP of the league. Isn't that correct? I think that's yeah. correct. He was, he was that good. It was like 40 some homers down there or 50. I don't even know what it was. Um, honestly, um, that's, there's so many good ones. I, I, I mean, if I, if I had to say it, I'd say, um, gosh, Griffey, Griffey or Bonds for me since I've been watching and before that, um, God, I mean, I saw Willie Mays as a kid. I mean, I hate to start talking like this, but um, Mr. Mays is pretty good as a, uh, I'd go uh, Mays slash Griffey Bonds in that general vicinity. Justin, what do you think? Whew. I mean, I was a big Griffey, Griffey guy growing up and I mean, it's it's hard to argue with with Griffey all around. Um, you know, best I played against. I mean, I saw Albert when he was he was like really doing it, and it was that was the one of the scarier at bats. You know, you know that that a pitcher or anybody could have. So, um, you know, those are a few. Those are a few of my favorites to watch. But I think Griffey Griffey in my book is probably all around probably the best. How about you, Mike? What do you think? Best ever. Yeah, uh, I'd have to go with what they said. Uh, 
Griffey, uh, just because um, his, I think every kid growing up, obviously his stats were unbelievable. I think every kid growing up was trying to emulate his swing. Um, just that, that swing is just incredible. And, uh, you know, his, he had a signature shoe, which was pretty cool. Um, obviously, it was definitely, uh, you know, when I got mine, mine from Nike, I think that was probably, um, you know, pretty me because watching Griffey growing up, trying to emulate him and then, you know, being in that moment, I think, uh, was pretty special. And obviously, like the upset Albert, I mean, his, I, I look back on some of his seasons um, he's, had, he's had, it is, uh, he's put up some stupid numbers. And, uh, you won't, you won't, I don't think you'll see them ever again, Them the, the numbers when you get to, you know, 60, 60 homers driving, 60, 170. You know, we all push, we all try to beat them, get them numbers, but, uh, you know, the numbers he was putting up for them, you know, that six, seven-year span was uh, pretty impressive. Personally, I was pretty interested to hear Mike Trout's thoughts on that subject for a couple of reasons. For one, I think there are a lot of people today that might want to put Mike Trout on that list. I, I would say I'm not ready to do that yet, but boy, if he continues the pace that he's on right now, yeah, Mike Trout could be on that list. So I, I was interested to hear Trout's thoughts. I do think that there is a level of uh, recency bias here from Justin Upton and Mike Trout talking about Ken Griffey Jr., best player they saw growing up i mean that makes a lot of sense and boy griffey was certainly a great player and my goodness just go go right now or, or when you're done with this when you're done listening to this go to baseball reference and go look up albert Pujols' baseball reference page i mean it is incredible the kind of numbers this guy put up and you know for mike trout to say that you know he doesn't know if anybody's going to ever put up those numbers um that's really saying something because uh we all know how spectacular the start of mike trout's career has been the angels while we're looking forward to 2020 and while there's a lot of new good faces that are going to help this club and great players that are joining this team they're going to help the angels did lose an important piece of the organization this past offseason and that was with the departure of cole calhoun the arizona diamondbacks and mike trout was asked about having Cole Calhoun now on a different team and, and what it means for him to lose somebody that not only was a great teammate for a long time, but also a good friend of his. Yeah, uh, obviously big and uh, a great relationship over, you know, I don't forget how many years it was, but uh, we, we did some stuff on the outfield, man. Looking back, that just it makes you laugh. Uh, we, had a, we had a great uh, feel for each other. I think that's what you need. Same with Jay up. Uh, we have a feel to like, I knew any ball in the gap, you know, we would pre-pitch. So, so uh, big for us, um, you know, any ball in the gap, I knew to go behind them, in front of them, just, just, the, just the instincts we both had just playing with each other. And obviously, he's a great uh, teammate and player on the field, but uh, off the field, obviously, he's a great person as well. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, we're still close. Um, we still will be. And obviously, I'm, I'm looking forward to what he can do in Arizona. Um, happy for him. He's got a house in uh, Arizona. He's got two kids now. And, uh, can can play home, play at home near his family, and uh, you know it's just uh, we keep in touch. We talk uh, we talk majority every week. I tell you, I, I was out there uh, when he for the spring training game when he was at Tampa Diablo wearing an Arizona jersey. It was weird. I, I gotta tell you, it was it was weird seeing that. Um, another question I've seen a couple, few different people have asked this, and I, I find it interesting. I'd like to know, Justin, what do you think that like now you've had a little bit of time to reflect. What have you missed most about playing baseball every day? I mean, I, I think everybody will say it, but like the, the time in the clubhouse and, um, you know, the, the, 
you spend you spend so much time with these guys that they they literally become they replace your family sometimes um, on the road, um, you know, at the hotel hanging out or you know at the stadium all day together. It's just you know you miss your brothers, man. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, not being able to compete with those guys and, and going to battle with them every night. I think that's that's the toughest part. Is you don't you don't get to that level. You know you don't get to without being competitive and those competitive juices flow and you feed off of your boys and it's just that that camaraderie and that you know that that fight like joe was saying that toughness you you miss like the tough times and fighting with the boys out there i think that's that's what you miss the most mike is you know i would imagine along those same lines is that what you've missed most about baseball too those relationships yeah i think the relationships are the biggest thing um you know from top to bottom uh, from the coaches, uh, obviously to the players, um, like Jay said, it's a second family. Um, you know, obviously you come home to your, your wife and kids and your dogs, but, uh, we spend more time during the season with, 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 with our boys and than, than we do then. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, the relationships, uh, that you grow each and every day, um, throughout the whole, your whole career or throughout the whole season. Um, cause you know, new guys come in, people leave, um, like you said, over the cold and stuff, it's just their relationships. It's uh, it's it's what it's all about. Um, you play for each other. Um, you know the grind. It's a, it's a grind. Um, you know, hopefully, I mean, eighty-two games isn't going to be too much of a grind this year. But uh, if we if we do play, but you know, we play a full season. You know, we're out there fighting for each other. Obviously, some days you feel tired, but you're trying to pick up your teammates. And like Jay said, it's a second family, and um, you know, it means a lot to all of us and friendships. We all want baseball to come back as soon as possible. And, and while we're in this spot where we're waiting for the owners and the players to come up with an agreement to get baseball back on the field, Joe Madden had some final thoughts for Angels fans out there while we're dealing in this time without baseball. We all feel the same way. Absolutely. And I just heard uh, Michael talk about uh, being positive and Jay being positive and optimistic. I, that's the tack I always take. Um, we've gone this far. Uh, we, we fought this all together. It appears as though we're, we're coming out on the correct side of it. Uh, I think patience is a key word always. And uh, I'll continue to be patient. Our guys will be continue, uh, continue to be patient. And, and, I, and, and the, we have no choice but to be patient. But uh, we're getting closer. So I'm, I'm kind of ramping it up a bit with the coaching staff. Had a nice meeting with them um, yesterday, the day before, um, talking about more specifics and uh, actual execution uh, of a spring training and what it's going to look like. Um, don't know exactly where it's going to be yet, but you have to be prepared for it because once we get like the green light, I want to make sure that our guys uh, get direction quickly. And they know, they, they know that we have a plan in place. Um, they need to take care of themselves individually. We need to be uh, on the lookout for the group. So as a fan, as a, as a member of the human race, just continue to be patient. We need to continue to try to do the right things. I do anticipate a good result. I anticipate it uh, pretty much kind of like what you're reading right now, maybe even quicker than that, hopefully or possibly. But um, when we get on the other side, man, we're all going to be better for this. If we, if we take the lessons and uh, really pay attention to what's going on, when we come out the other side, I think as a group, I'm not just talking about us in baseball, but us as neighbors, 
um, human being when went to another, I want to believe we're going to learn a lot of good stuff and we're all going to be better off when we conclude this. I think so too. I'm certainly staying optimistic. I know a lot of people are, and I think it's awesome. Hey, Mike, Joe, Justin, thank you guys so much for doing this. It was an absolute blast. Again, to just take a little bit of time to talk some baseball, take our minds away from the troubles of the world and just enjoy this time together. I know we're all itching for baseball to come back soon. And uh, I sincerely appreciate you joining us to have this conversation tonight. Thanks guys. Appreciate Great it. Job, thank you. Thank you. See, you guys. See you, Michael. See you guys. Right. Boy, cannot thank Mike Trout, Justin Upton, and Joe Mad enough for that conversation. While we're all dealing with these tough times, I just think it's great that we're able to spend that time together, talk baseball, kind of take our minds away from the troubles of the world just for a little bit and get a chance to hear uh, from some of the Angels' stars and, uh, you know, in the case of Mike Trout, the biggest star in the game of baseball. Now, on Angels Recap, after each and every Angels home game, we do what's called a nightcap to close up shop, wrap up the night, and talk about just the issues in the game or maybe a fun historical story. And we're going to try to start doing that more here on the podcast as well because I think it's fun. Uh, This was sparked because Terry Smith actually asked me a question the other day. He goes, what happens if somebody hits 400 in the 2020 season? Does that count as a 400 season? Now, to win a batting title, you have to have enough chances to qualify. So that means averaging 3.1 plate appearances over 162 games or 502 plate appearances per season. No one's getting a 502 in 2020, though in theory in an 82-game season, you multiply that by 3.1, that takes you to 254 times up, that would be enough. But even still, while that could be the rule, would that really count? I mean, you'd have to have an asterisk, right? I want to know your thoughts. Send me an email, trush at am830klaa.com, because I am genuinely curious if anybody out there has a creative idea or a solution uh, to that issue. It was almost an issue back in 94. Remember when Tony Gwen hit 394 that year? That's the closest anyone's come to hitting 400 in a season since Ted Williams back in 1941. But remember, the 94 season ended early due to the strike, and Tony Gwynn did not have the necessary 502 plate appearances. He only had 475. So if Tony Gwynn was hitting 400 when the 94 season came to a halt, would that have counted as a 400 season? Also, do you see a difference between almost qualifying, like Tony Gwynn almost qualified, or being way off, like at 50%? I don't think there's a big difference. But then again, if you don't qualify, you don't qualify. So if this comes into a play in 2020, yeah, that debate could get a little bit chaotic. Speaking of Ted Williams, I mentioned him a moment ago. The story on how he hit 400 is famous. Remember, he was hitting 3996 going to that last day of the season with the Red Sox scheduled to play a doubleheader. If you round up, 3996 does count as a 400 season. And Boston manager Joe Cronin is believed to have offered Ted Williams the day off, but Williams didn't even consider that. Played anyway, got his six hits, and ended up with a 406 average and the batting crown. Even in that same season that Joe DiMaggio had his 56 game hit streak. For whatever reason, it seems like the batting title doesn't quite mean as much now as it used to back then. I mean, do you remember who the batting champs were in 2019? I'll save you the Google search and tell you it was the White Sox, Tim Anderson in the American League, and Christian Yelich got it in the National League. You probably forgot because there wasn't a whole lot made of that, especially when you compare it to the controversy from all the way back in 1910 when it came down to Ty Cobb and Nap Lajoie. Now, Cobb was famously hated. I mean, like rightfully so. He was an all-time jerk. I mean, 
mean, the guy got kicked out of baseball for beating a fan. Well, even before that, he was far from popular. So much so that in that 1910 season, he and Nat Blagoy were just a few percentage points apart from the batting title. Lajoy was with Cleveland at the time, and in a doubleheader against the St. Louis Browns on the last day of the season, the Browns manager, Jack O'Connor, told his rookie third baseman to go play on the outfield grass so that Lajoy could go 8-for-8 eight eight with eight bunt singles on the day to pass Cobb. Except during that last time up, there was an error that allowed for Cobb to be the batting champ, barely. Now, O'Connor and another coach, Harry Howell, tried to bribe the official scorer to change that ruling, and that ended up getting them booted out of baseball. So Cobb was the 1910 batting champion until 1978. That's when it was discovered that there was an error in the Tigers' bookkeeping for that season, including one game twice. And when that duplicate game was taken out of the equation, Lajoy was post hominously awarded the 1910 AL batting crown, the fifth of his career. Yeah, it's messy stuff and pretty much the opposite of the nobility of how Williams got his 400 season. And 2020 is probably going to be messy too. I just hope that these are the debates we get to have because it means baseball would be back. That's going to about do it for us. Thanks again to Mike Trout, Justin Upton, and to Joe Madden, all for joining us here on the podcast. Hey, have a great rest of your week. We're looking forward to talking to you again next Wednesday. Take care, everybody.